0: Almighty God, it is a time for us to calm our bodies, to try to calm our minds, so that ultimately you may soothe our spirits. No matter what has come before this day and what awaits us in the days ahead, here and now, Almighty God, we are yours. May we feel the assurance of that holy truth that you have known us since before the days of our birth that you have continued to walk with us and guide us and speak into our hearts and illuminate our minds, we yearn to be a people that reflect your goodness and your grace. And so we pray that you will give us the strength to stand when we feel weak, to carry on when we feel like there is no way that we can win. We pray, Almighty God, that the Holy Spirit will infuse us with your strength, your courage, that we, your people, would persevere. Help us to find holy experiences in the midst of times of trial and tribulation. Help us to find redemption through the times when we experience pain and suffering. Lord, we seek you in all things, and we rejoice for reminders, vestiges in the church, signs in creation, but most assuredly, the words and the actions that we experience through other people that remind us that we have not been forsaken, neither we nor them, and that you continually reach out to us, pouring out your love from on high and reminding us that we are yours and there is no action, no feeling, no word, no social status that can deny us that holy truth. Thanks be to you, almighty God. In your holy name we pray. Amen. This morning, as we are closing out our June worship series on mental illness and mental health, uh, portraits of that in the scripture, our reading is going to come from the letter from the Apostle Paul to the Philippians, the church in Philippi. It comes from chapter 4, verses 6 through 14. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, Let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned, And received and heard and seen in me. And the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned for me, but had no opportunity to show it. Not that I am referring to being in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and in all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well fed and of going hungry, of having plenty, and of being in need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. In any case, it was kind of you to share my distress. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. So this morning, we're kind of taking a a different tact than we have in the past three Sundays as we've explored instances of mental health, And Mental illness and distress in the scriptures in the previous Sundays We've kind of focused on one person what they have experienced, but today Instead we're hearing about not just an individual but a community Paul is an individual Christian a disciple an apostle of Jesus Christ and he does express that he himself has felt this anxiety this fear. Anxiety is characterized by fear or intense worry. It creates a stress that not only affects our mind and how we think and feel, but it also affects our bodies. It might prevent us from being able to sleep or to function as we would expect. It might bring on intense periods of fatigue. And I'm not talking about, I have a test tomorrow and I didn't study kind of anxiety. I'm talking about an anxiety that sometimes seems to come from nowhere and that we might not even be able to cope with it or find a way to dissipate it. Anxiety as a mental illness is experienced by over 40 million people in the United States. That's an incredible number of people who have experienced stress, worry, and fear that is debilitating, if not incapacitating. It's estimated that 30% of adults in our country will experience this. That's almost one in three. And anxiety can go on for months, almost constant, almost every single day for six months. Imagine spending half a year in a state of darkness and overwhelming despair. And some of us have felt that. Some of us in the body of Christ know what that feels like. And for those of us that perhaps haven't experienced it for ourselves, surely we have seen other people. And we wonder, well, what do we do with that? What are we supposed to do about it? How do we respond? How can we help? And for us, it's important to recognize that this is precisely what Paul is talking about. He's recognizing that there is anxiety in the church of Philippi. Now, why might a, a community, a family of faith, experience anxiety? Why would they have any problems? Well, if you go back and start to read the beginning of his letter to the Philippians, you'll actually find out, especially in chapter 4 where we began, that Euodiah and Syntyche, two of the women that are leaders in the church, aren't getting along. And so two of the Principal leadership of this local church have split They have come to a place where there's a rift in their relationship And it's causing a rift in the family of faith and they no longer feel united in Christ They no longer feel united in purpose and in how they live and the separation is causing incredible communal anxiety That the brokenness of these two critical leaders is causing brokenness for the people. They're feeling pressure to choose sides. They're feeling pressure to figure out who is right. And many churches have experienced this. Many Christian organizations, Christian groups, even within a church know what it is like to see that two people that you might love and respect and need their leadership are not in agreement. And what do we do? It's a horrible place to be. And Paul recognizes that. And in their time of need, Paul is unable to be with them, which is just exacerbating their anxiety. They can't have Paul come and just tell them what to do. He, ha- he has this forced separation. Now the separation that Paul experienced from his people was because he was in prison. And it's even estimated that perhaps this wasn't his final imprisonment in Rome. Paul, unfortunately, was imprisoned many times for preaching the gospel. But it's possible that he's at another place, that he's in Ephesus, where he also founded a church. And thus we get the letter to Ephesians. But that there Paul is held prisoner and he cannot come to them. And what we learn in the letter is that in their desperation and in their need, they come up with a plan. Which is precisely what Paul has asked them to keep doing. They decide when everything is dark and when we are so upset and worried, we are going to show Paul love. And they sent one of their own with gifts for him so that. He could have some comfort and he could have a remembrance that he is cared for. And so they sent that to him and he talks about that in the scripture. He talks about how much he rejoiced that they were able to revive their concern and show it that he had received their gifts, that he had received the one who had brought them and what a blessing it was to be reminded while he was imprisoned and while he was being punished for doing nothing but spreading the truth love and hope of the gospel of jesus christ and so he is recognizing that he was feeling this kind of anxiety and that he recognizes it in them and so he tries to offer them not just words of edification and flowery language but he tries to offer them some real things to do and when we are feeling overwhelmed as individual christians and as the body of christ it's important for us to hear and remember these things he is telling them try not to worry but if you are because that is where your brain has gotten stuck then pray pray about how you are feeling Pray with supplication, talking about what you need. Tell God exactly where you are because we can't share it with others if we can't even share it with God. It's really important that we are honest with God because even as we are pouring out our heart and soul and mental state to God, God is receiving that and helping to move things here to be supportive, helpful, and restorative to us. And to do so with thanksgiving, be grateful that you can talk to God, be grateful that you have prayer, that it is a lifeline in these moments for us, and that God's peace then, which passes, surpasses all understanding, and if we want to phrase that another way, this irrational peace of God, may it come upon you. How can we feel that times where everything seems to be caving in around us? Nothing is going right. We can't get the appointments we want. We're suffering in isolation. We're unable to do the things that we have traditionally used to uphold us and keep us healthy and sane. And all of a sudden, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to lean on the peace of God. What kind of sense does that make? None. And that's the point, that God's peace is something that the world can't understand that's how i've been able to go to hospitals and visit people who are getting ready to have high risk surgery on their brains on their hearts on their bodies and in the midst of that this peace washes over us and when we stay connected to god in prayer that peace moves closer and closer to us And when we expand our prayer, not just us praying to God, but inviting others to be in prayer with us and for us, all of a sudden this peace starts to be exuded from those who are supporting us with prayer and it's coming from God and it will wash over us like the waves of the ocean, like a blanket when we were a child that used to encompass us and comfort us, that peace comes to us. And Paul says, look for it yearn for it and accept it accept God's peace for you God doesn't want you to be troubled God didn't come to bring you anything that will hurt you but instead to bring you healing and wholeness grace and love and so remember that he says so that it will guard your hearts and your minds even Paul recognizes the effects that our minds have on us it's not just do you have the heart of Christ but Is your mind able to work for your benefit and the benefit of others? And if not, then he continues on. He says, and when you feel those things, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, pleasing, commendable, those wonderful things that we have been taught, that are commended to us in the scriptures, that the Spirit moves us to embrace, those are the things upon which we must focus. So that some days when all of our expectations from work or school or family life or what we feel like we're being asked to do for the groups and the organizations that we're members of, whatever it is, sometimes you just have to stop and do what God wants you to do. Sometimes you just have to spend time singing songs of your faith. Sometimes you have to pause and just read scripture. There have been so many times during this period of isolation where I knew I needed to be reading, you know, documents and requirements and I needed to be paying attention to what was coming out from the state and federal government. And it would get so overwhelming to me that sometimes I would just put it all away and I would pick up my Bible and I would go and I would sit down and I would just read. And I wasn't reading my text for my sermons and I wasn't reading my text for my Bible study. I was just reading because I needed to pause and just do what I knew was right and that is to search the scriptures, to find God's voice and to experience what God has said for me, but also all that God has already done for me so that I could feel that peace. That's one of the reasons why we turn upon the means of grace whether it's gathering for fellowship in new and innovative ways and small groups that are meeting through digital communication or whether it's going back and watching a worship service and reliving that moment, that time when we could sing the songs of our faith and we had the words and the music that uplifted our spirits and reminded us that we are not alone. All of those things are gifts to us and those are the things that we must cling to that we must reach out for, embrace, and enact in our lives. Those are the things that help to sustain us when we feel the fear and the, and the anxiety coming upon us. It's so important, and Paul felt that he needed to reiterate it. Right? These are things that you know. Don't forsake them when you are not feeling right. Go back to them. They were good then, they are good now, and they will continue to be good They will bless you and they will encourage you and edify you. Even if they don't provide miraculous, instantaneous healing. They are part of God's ultimate healing for us. So use them. As Paul says, that's why we gave them to you. Because they were given to us. And Paul knows. Imagine how many nights that he was alone in a dark cell singing the Psalms. Or how many times he was there and because he was raised as a Pharisee, zealous for the law... He just started citing scripture, saying it aloud, letting the words come from his mouth and enter into his ears and once more fall upon his heart. These are gifts to us to remind us that we are not alone and that someone who is bigger and greater than anything the world could fathom is with us and for us. And so he is asking them to use that because when your leadership is having trouble, when your family of faith or even just your family and your circle of friends or your coworkers or your fellow students, when there's strife in your midst, when people are fighting, when people aren't in agreement and whether they're being very vocal about it or they're being overly silent about it and it's really uncomfortable, no matter how it is, God doesn't abandon us. God never forsakes a broken person and God doesn't forsake a broken community. God reminds us that I am with you forever. Right? And that sometimes, even in the midst of their brokenness, the church of Philippi chose to show love. Even when they were struggling, we don't know what we're going to do. We don't know how to fix this, but we do know what to do. We know to show love. And they showed love to Paul. And Paul said, You know, I have been through so much. It's almost a confession, right? I I know what it is to have a lot. I know what it is to have almost nothing. I know what it is to be overly well-fed. I know what it is to be hungry. I know exactly what it is to seem to have more than enough to do my work, and I know what it is to have nothing to do my work. I know those things. But I can do everything, he says, everything through him who strengthens me. Through Jesus Christ, I can get through everything. Anything and when we are feeling dark and depressed when we are feeling alone Or we are suffering and especially when we are suffering from what has gone wrong within our mind It is so important that we remember That we can do things because of Jesus Christ that a clean bill of mental health doesn't make you more capable than someone who is struggling And that, therefore, it's important for us to remember that someone who is going through a period of mental struggle or mental illness, that does not discount them from being a vessel of God's goodness and grace. That does not mean that we need to set them aside while they heal. In fact, it's precisely when we need to remind them that they can do all things, that we believe it because it has been spoken in our holy text. It has been reiterated throughout time by the Holy Spirit. It is something that Jesus Christ proved when he took 12 broken, fallible, frail human beings and invited them on a three-year journey of his earthly ministry. And when everything was over, one of them was gone, and others still struggled to believe. The Bible records this for us too. And yet, it's about the journey it's about the community that they had created, the relationships that would sustain them when they had moments of doubt, when they had failures, when they struggled, because they had their struggles too. But ultimately, the one constant in the story of the apostles, and the story of the church of Philippi, and the story of every community in the Bible and every church that has ever existed since Jesus Christ ascended into heaven, the story of all of us is that Christ is with us. And that is something that sometimes we have to be reminded of. Whether it's somebody choosing to show their love and concern for us by calling or writing, sending an email, shooting a text, sending a message on social media, somebody creating something with their time and their talent and their gifts and their graces and sharing it with us. So many times if you come into my office, you'll see I have a giant whiteboard and there tends to be a lot of artwork that kids have given me and I will put that artwork up there and when I look at it, it's just astounding to me how kids see the world and sometimes how they see us and the things that they feel because of our relationships and so sometimes When I am struggling, figuring out, you know, what am I supposed to be doing, or how do I fix this situation, or I'm trying not to visit my struggles on the church, and sometimes just looking up and seeing art and cards that kids have made reminds me, and it gives me strength, and it encourages me, and it doesn't just remind me that God is with me and that God is in those children, but that this is what we fight for. This is why we fight when we are struggling physically this is why we fight when we struggle mentally this is why we fight when we feel like we are struggling spiritually this is why we fight for the continued creation of the body of christ that is being renewed every time we gather because something incredible is at stake our children are at stake the children of this world the children of god of every age it's at stake and so we are challenged to continue to hold on with all we have when we are being battered by circumstances when we are being battered by the ramification of our mistakes and sinfulness when we are being battered by the ramifications of the mistakes and sins of other people we have to remember that the rock to which we cling is jesus christ and he will not be moved He is our bedrock and our foundation. He is the one that stands beside us when everyone else forsakes us. When we find ourselves like the adulteress who was thrown at his feet and the crowd wanted to kill her. They wanted to stone her for what she had done. And yes, it was a sin. And yes, it was a mistake. But they threw her at his feet and they wanted to be justified and destroying her. And Jesus... He talked to them, and he said to them, all right, then whichever one of you has never committed a sin, then you go first. And struggling with being convicted by recognizing that they were more obsessed with the speck in her eye than the log on their own, they turned and they walked away. They abandoned their wrath and their desire for vengeance, and they left con- contemplating, who is this man and what has he asked of us? And when Jesus looks up, he says to her, is there no one here? And she says, no one. But she was wrong. Jesus was still there with her. And when he sent her forth free, liberated from her sin and guilt, to try again, what she wouldn't understand in that day is that he still went with her. She never had a day without him. The one who protected her and saved her life that day would save it again on the cross and save it for her for all eternity. We forget sometimes just because we don't see, or because we don't hear, or because we can't touch, or we don't see the same people and feel the same things, we forget. And that's why we as the body of Christ need to continually be reaching out to one another and saying, I remember you, you are with me, and you are important to me. Nothing helps to soothe our fears and our anxiety. Like knowing that we are not alone, that we have not become a prisoner in our own minds, but that instead it is precisely because of those feelings that God is at work in us and through us for the good of not just one another, but for all of us. If one is broken and suffering, the body of Christ feels it. The whole body is impacted, and only a really broken church doesn't recognize that. That all of us are in this together and today it might be you that is broken and tomorrow it might be me and the next day it might be a child or it might be somebody who already has so many struggles but every day we are here for one another I will never forget how many times I have gone to visit someone whether they were in a hospital for physical illness or whether they were in a hospital for mental illness and going there, and all the times that I thought that I was there to minister to them, but because of Jesus Christ gathered with us, they ministered to me. In our brokenness, we can still become incredible vessels that reverberate God's truth, that reveal God's love, and that help all of us keep the faith. May that be what we take from this time, this journey through a portrait of mental illness in scripture. That it isn't something that just one person may feel but so many of us experience this and that even as a community we might experience this together so the next time mental illness comes crashing into our lives whether it's in our heads in the heads of someone we know and love or in the community may we recall these moments with god recall through the power of the holy spirit that we don't have to be afraid that we can truly do what God wants us to do because God is with us and for us. And because we are no longer alien to this concept, because it is no longer something that is totally shrouded and something we don't talk about, perhaps now we will be empowered and equipped to act in a much more compassionate and kind way that reveals the love that we are called to have in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to love ourselves, To love others and to love this that God has created for all people, everywhere, throughout all time. May it be so. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. So, this is the time in our worship service where we would be encouraging you to respond to what God has said and done for us this day with your offering, your tithes and your offerings. And we have shown tremendous strength throughout our time in isolation but we did notice that there has been a dip in giving and so it's important for us to continue that to to persevere through this time we are actively engaging and looking at what ministry is going to look like as we are coming into the summer months and as we know that not just we and our families here at Crozet United Methodist Church but our families in Crozet and, and far beyond our borders are trying to determine what is going to happen when school comes back. And so your gifts enable us to respond to needs. They enable us to purchase and prepare for ministry and mission that will be required of us to help people get through the next phase of this incredibly strange time in our lives. And so your gifts are not just needed and wanted. They are deeply appreciated. And so on behalf of all of those who are empowered because of your giving, and those who will be blessed because of it. I wish to offer this prayer. Let us pray. Lord, sometimes the magnitude of your love is unfathomable. We can't understand how you can love so deeply and purely. And we yearn not only to experience it, but to embody it. Help us with all that we are and all that we have, all that we do, to honor you may not just our words, those spoken, those sung, and those which we willfully refrain from speaking, may all of those words be part of your holy work, reflecting the word, the scriptures, and the movement of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that the gifts that are given to bring honor and glory to you will truly be a blessing to those who are in need, those right now who are struggling with the circumstances that are well beyond their control, those who wonder if they will be able to get through another month or even another day. When they turn and they cry out from their pain and their suffering, may the body of Christ answered. May we be those that answer them and turn toward them, embrace them and provide for them just as you have always provided for us. May we use what you give to us to help others not just survive, but to learn to thrive in the midst of a world that isn't kind and compassionate, a world that is filled with sin and suffering. Instead, may the church become a vessel of your love and your incredible, unfathomable peace which surpasses all understanding. Thank you for allowing us to be part of that work, not just with our prayers and our presence, but our gifts, which in itself is an act of service. Thank you, almighty God, for all that you do, all that you are, and all that you are transforming us to be this day and every day. Amen.